up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deichman. That's right, and this week we're going to be talking about that fancy new UA that came out uh, just in time for us to release a show, and uh, as well as doing our first listener topic, which is about uh, describing combat. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to answer a listener question at the end because, you know, that's what we do here. Yeah. Uh, but before all that, Allie, how are your games this week? They were good. Um, they felt really productive, which <laughs> I know it doesn't sound like a like a normal thing to brag about, but <laughs> for me and my players, sometimes that is like an achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, they have gotten to the high forest. It's a place they've been meaning to get to. They've heard all these crazy, wacky things are happening there with the big bad villain, and they're like, okay, we got to get there. And so they met up with three elves, and they pulled together all their knowledge, and now they realize, okay, the Wand of Orcus is in the Big Bad's hands. He is currently heading towards a very secluded and very, like, uh, it's it's elves-only kind of mm-hmm. society. Um, and, like, if you leave, you're exiled. It's that kind of feel. Um, and then they also realize, because one of them's... <laughs> I made one of them a half-elf, but she's, like, half-high elf, and then the other half is like a half wood and half human elf mm-hmm. and so she actually her i made her a, an ancestral guardian barbarian oh, cool and so she could actually commune with like nature yeah as opposed to like high elf with like magic more so so she told them because they were like at the edge of the forest and you know that which is in between is a little more higher powers in the fae situation so she's all like yeah there's some there's something fucky going on here <laughs> and they're like oh no <laughs> and so now they're going deeper into the forest especially since they learned ex- pretty much exactly where the big bad's camp is mm-hmm. so they're like gung-ho going straight there and i'm i can't wait to show them exactly what's going to happen oh, <laughs> what about you uh oh boy <laughs> so the golden pals met up again finally yay it's, it, it, it was it was good it was good uh we had, added that new player uh so my brother-in-law uh joined our group oh cool um not not brother-in-law for the sister that's playing other <laughs> sister that's not playing but and not my husband. husband i don't have a husband no no yeah, <laughs> that's gonna get real confusing um but no so uh nick joined the group and it was super awesome you know, i'm glad he's there he's got a great character and fit into the group really well awesome now for the rest of the game uh i'm going to put a spoiler warning on this uh-huh fast forward like Two minutes, if you oh don't want to hear <laughs> names and locations of uh, Tomb of Annihilation things. Um, this is your warning, so do that now. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> they got to Omu. Cool. Um, they saw a... They, the, Chrissy's character had made some like heat-sensing or you know temperature-sensing goggles, and they saw that there was a cold deposit over by the bazaar. So they go over there, they find out that... Uh, there was a dragon that was living under there. Long story. That's an old campaign thing. Uh, and Art just killed it. Just oh. froze it solid. Oh, sh- There was geez. one kobold left that was working for him. These guys had re- used to reset the traps in Omu. And so... They talk to the the kobold, find out that Arctis headed towards. They didn't know the name of it yet, but they head towards the. He had, he went to the Fane of the Night Serpent. Oh, okay. Looking for Rosnisi. Yeah. So, they. <sighs> This this freaking cobalt, the last of his people, and of course it was my group too. Oh, go back to the air, airship. We'll take care of you. We'll adopt you. <laughs> so now I got to come up with a backstory and character name for that one. So they go to the Fane. They go in there. 
uh, Uthal sneaks in and finds frozen Yuanti. Oh, boy. Uh, they keep going in. Ergo waits outside <clears throat> because they got a, a sending stone message from their air, their airship captain that they their, one of the scouts spotted Rosanisi heading towards the Fane. So they're like, okay, get Olin and Alton and Sirak, uh, Arctis' son, send him to the Fane. Mm-hmm. So they're going. And... This. So she waits outside. The rest of the group go in. They find Arctis fighting uh, Yuanti in the chamber hall, and he's, like, shooting ice at them and everything. And then a big creepy voice from everywhere goes, he has returned. Oh. And <laughs> everyone in the Fane got sucked into Dendar the Night Serpent's plane of existence. Oh, my God. Uh, yep. So Erga, <laughs> uh, uh, Tara's character is like, oh. Okay, everyone's gone. That's not good. Alton and Olin get there with uh, Arctis' son, and then they get a sending stone message that Klaus's on his way. They can see him in the distance going towards Omu. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in Dundar's uh, place, Rosnisi is basically, like, angry at everyone that exiled him. So he's doing it the wrong way, as Rosnisi would do. Yeah. Summoned an aspect of Dendar. Which they all fought. Uh, and during this, Uthal is disguised as Arctis's wife. Oh, because no. they have a whole plan about <laughs> deceiving him. What? And maybe chopping off his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and so he sticks with a giant snake gun. He's like, Arctis, my love. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Oh, my God. He actually did the deceive check and passed it. And now Arctis thinks that's his wife and is now fighting alongside them as demon form Arctis. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. And then outside back in the real world, uh Clouth lands on the fane of the night serpent. And if you you if you've uh listened to uh Dice Cam Reaction, this sounds familiar. This is where I got the idea for Clouth being on there. He starts fucking tearing apart the fane as they're trying to go find Rosnisi in the fane. They find him. Clouth rips off the top of the <laughs> ceiling and just growls, I found you. And that's where I ended it. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm excited. <laughs> oh my God. So at the end of it, you know, non spoilers, I hope I didn't go over the two minute mark, but anywho. At the end of it, I was like, hey, Nick, I'm really glad you joined the group. I'm really sorry this was the first <laughs> session you had. And Welcome to our game. <laughs> it's okay. D&D games get crazy. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Especially this one. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. I had a talk with, with Josh, our, our fellow DM yeah. co-worker, about how, like, what a, how am I going to have Storm King's Thunder live up to this shit that's happening right now? So, I feel like... Power-wise, Storm King's Thunder will be just fine because okay, it'll feel threatening. However, God. I think to match the intensity that you've kind of set up as the beginning, <laughs> you not might, intentionally, you might want to adjust some story tidbits and make it feel more personal to the character somehow. I, I've also had the the thought, especially since they've spent so much time now on Cholt with all of this, of just actually saying oh no, another party did that and played Storm King's Thunder with another group another time. Oh my god. <laughs> because I'm like, you guys are so off, like, book right now. Yeah. Like, getting back into Storm King's Thunder. Cause, yeah. Like, over a month has taken place since Brunchander. Mm-hmm. So I guess I could actually almost skip chapter two? You could. Um, there is, 
it's funny enough the entirety of chapter three actually says like hey giants take their time we'll, we'll try and do this part less spoilery but yeah like yeah just, yeah yeah like they say giants take their time you know uh it doesn't matter how long they take in this chapter yeah they could take months or it could be a couple yeah, days that's true. I could do that. and so honestly you can just throw in the end of chapter three which is how you transition into the next bits yeah I whenever that, you yeah, like that, yeah okay that might i might do that because mm-hmm. god this this is a crazy one yeah you, you've thrown them through a lot and i like it <laughs> <laughs> well that's enough about us let's <laughs> let's go check some broadsheets for the news yeah um critical role is coming to amazon mm-hmm. for two seasons um if you remember critical role did their uh kickstarter uh back in march yeah and uh, hit their goal in 22 minutes. Broke a lot of records. Oh, so many <laughs> records. And uh, now with, you know, there's evidence that people want to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon has not only said that they were going to allow the streaming for the, I think it was 12 episodes. Yeah, it was going to be a full one season, essentially. Oh, no, no, it was 10 episodes. Yeah. They, they, they got up to 10 episodes, but they have actually now ordered a full 24 episodes. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the full animation with the voice actors, you know, because that's their job and all that good stuff um but most importantly um the kickstarter was sent an update about all this when it was announced and they were said don't worry all of your stretch goal things are still applying uh people who backed it will still see the first two episodes first no matter what you'll see them before they're on amazon so i think that that's really good yeah because there's been plenty of times where it's like people found success on kickstarter and then somebody else gave them more money and they went oh what kickstarter yeah so so there's actually a couple things about this that i wanted to mention so a lot of people are actually um not exactly pleased that amazon is the chosen platform that they're launching this I've off been of seeing this, yeah. um especially after the wendy's one shot because they did the wendy's one shot and apparently they had not the full extent idea of how not great wendy's is a company towards everything that they personally mm-hmm. have stood for in the past and oh they, yeah don't, don't get me wrong yeah. i i kind of hate amazon like yeah the more time goes by i'm like God, you're like a shitty company. You're shitty to yeah. people, and like you're you're even shitty to customers. Like, why are you still a thing? Yeah, it's because it's a necessary thing yeah. at this point. But um, and so after the Wendy's thing, they put out a bit of apology, and they said, you know what, all these proceeds are literally going to charity, and in a way it's like okay cool so and they're saying yeah we learned from it and so we're carrying on it so we're like okay cool and then they're saying we're going to amazon and so everyone's like wait a second (laughs) well to be fair though their money was already coming from amazon twitter i know by amazon and that's the other thing too it's like as as greg miller says if you've got amazon prime you've got twitch prime and like that's why because amazon owns them amazon owns them so it's an interesting situation and then there are some people that are even saying like what about people that you can't even get amazon prime in your region yeah like how am i supposed to watch the show yeah and so People are worried about that. But then again, it's like Netflix is sometimes like that. And so honestly, the only other pure option they could have gone for would be releasing it on their own website, which the thing is, is there's no money in there. Exactly. Well, no one's paying for that. Exactly. Rooster Teeth has proven that yeah. that can work. And I think like if they had done a Rooster Teeth model where they had their own site, mm-hmm. they had a subscription model to it where it's like, hey, you got to pay like, I don't know, five bucks a month or something like that. Something cheap because right now it's just one show. Yeah. And, you know, you get in on they that. could start producing more shows. I think their main goal, though, is to keep Critical Role free. <laughs> However, they're 
it's not, not it's, free. It's not free. Yeah, it's it's not still free going through Twitch and everything. So yeah. it's like, I think after this, they're gonna have to readjust how they do things. Yeah, especially with because it's it's interesting because looking at the fandom and everything people that have been in the fandom for like ever since the beginning are getting attacked because they're voicing this opinion yeah and so it's like you know there's all there's always that concept of toxic well, fandoms but fandoms are terrible Let's yeah <laughs> and so it's like but this is gonna adjust to things i feel like this is this is this is a not just a small little wave this is a yeah. big splash the, the thing is like <laughs> I yes, when I saw that it was on Amazon, it did have the gut reaction of like, oh, I don't like that. Especially since I'm considering getting rid of my Amazon Prime yeah. this year. Um, but uh, I did find out that you can get Amazon Video on its own for like nine bucks. Okay. So I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to like give them the ridiculous amount of money they want per year for Amazon Prime and mm-hmm. still be able to watch this. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know. I just don't like Amazon. But. I don't think this is going to change. Realistically, this is a business thing. They're getting money from it. They're throwing, literally throwing money at them. Yeah. And they are for, you know, all intents and purposes, still an indie thing. I know there's arguments that they're not. Like, as soon as they joined Geek and Center, they're not indie. But they are still pretty much an indie thing. This is them putting it all together. So I don't see that changing anytime soon without some kind of big push and I don't think it's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to it's going to take a lot and it's going to take something big for them to to adjust to pivot, so to speak. <laughs> On a related note, I started listening to Critical Role finally. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what? They put it in podcast form. I can listen to this now. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize they had done that. So I started listening to season two. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I already loved all those people, regardless of the show. Yeah. Um, so it's just people I love doing things I love. Uh, let's go on to the next one, which is hopefully much less controversial. Um, <laughs> And that's Idol Champions is getting a new champion, Sentry from High Rollers. Yay. Um, I'm not familiar with High Rollers. I know they exist. I know some of the people <laughs> that are on there, but I haven't watched any of their stuff because there's so many damn D&D screams now. There are. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah, no. It's... I like that there's competition in it. Yeah. No, it's great. And... I mean, new champions are always exciting. Yeah. Is there any details on her yet? Sentry uh, is a support tank champion who buffs nearby DPS while at the front of the formation. Well, uh, what is this? Well, uh, create echo increases healing, speeds up progress, and boosts DPS. So it seems, from looking at her image, she is a warforged, possibly druid? Hmm. Because um, she's a warforged, she's got a lot of flowery stuff on her and stuff like that. She looks super cool. Uh, I love the artwork. It doesn't on it. say what bench she fl- slips out, right? Um, no, I don't think it's okay. That yeah, because so far it sounds like she would be perfect to hang out with Jamila. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it says that she's at the uh, she's a support tank at the front. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. That area is getting full for me. It is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Uh, I like that they're getting more stream characters in there. Cause yeah. We've got the Waffle Crew, Sans One Person. Uh, we've got <laughs> yeah. uh, the C Team, and now we're getting High Rollers. Um, I, oh, we also had Forest Gray. Yeah. And so yeah, like I like that this is that this game. You know, it's not only fun and whatnot, but it's at it's doing community created characters. Which I mean, in the end, that's what D and D is, right? It's, yeah. It's what the community makes of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine like having one of your characters like made into an Idol Champions character? That's- I would fucking lose my lose my shit. That would be amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, she's uh, coming out uh, today as we're recording. Actually, I think she just released 23 minutes ago. Oh. Um, <laughs> not to give you any time of when we do this or whatnot. Um, and I, this is going to be late, but it's pretty cool. Uh, the the woman that plays her uh, and uh, a couple of the other people from Hyrule are, are going to be playing uh, on stream tonight uh, to unlock her. So oh, that's cool. pretty cool that they do support stuff like yeah. that. Uh, let's see. Our next piece of news is Amy Falcone from the Acquisitions Incorporated C team joins Wizards of the Coast as a graphic designer. Yay! Yeah, this is the <laughs> second member of uh, C team to join mm-hmm. uh, Wizards of the Coast, and th- this friggin' awesome. I love this woman. She's awesome. Yeah, no, she's, <laughs> she's great. Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's that's super awesome to hear. Yeah, uh, um, she does great. She did great work over at Penny Arcade, and I'm sure occasionally she'll still do stuff with them. I mean, obviously, she's still doing C-Team. But the fact that she's now at Wizards of the Coast and she's working with Kate Welsh and all those awesome people, I love it. Yeah, I love community like that getting <laughs> together. It's fantastic. Um, last piece of news we got is the player's handbook is being translated into Italian, which is awesome. The more translations yeah. of this Molto book, bene. the better. Uh, and you can uh, read it now in Italian on D&D Beyond. I don't know if that our audience is listening to us <laughs> over in Italy, but if you are, hey, you can read it in your native language now. Hey. Hey. Um, all right. Well, that is all of the broadsheets that we got. Um, we've got no dungeon keeping. Yeah. So we're going to go into our first topic. Uh, the first topic is going to be our, our listener submitted one. So this is submitted by Dallas. Uh, he asked us a long time ago, and we've totally been failing on answering it. <laughs> and I'm really sorry about that, Dallas, even though I apologized on Twitter to you. Still sorry. Uh, but it's going to be about describing combat. Um, and he asked, like, you know, how do you... What what ways do you do that? When do you do it? How do you do it? What do you say? Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, well, you know, you just do it. But then I thought more about it. I'm like, it took me a really long time to be able to, to actually yeah. do descriptions in combat. Oh. And it it's definitely on the level of improvising and being quick on your feet about stuff and just kind of imagining the scene as it's going on, even if you have miniatures on the table. Yeah. No, it's still a good thing to throw in. Um, it's It definitely helps enhance the idea of what you're there for. Mm-hmm. Like, you're there to role play in the end. And even during a fight, you should probably in, even then be role playing a little bit. Yeah. And so you as a DM, this is your perfect chance to really almost describe like be the narrator yeah the pure narrator because most of the time if you're dming you just establish the scene and then the players jump in as you do but during combat the players at this point take over the technical side of it Mm -hmm. and then you take over the narrative side of it (laughs) i i I feel like one of the things like you know rolling dice and getting high numbers and stuff like that feels good yeah getting a crit feels fantastic yes um my goal with describing combat is making every hit feel like a crit yeah and like i want my players to feel as cool as freaking possible no matter what they do and if they miss putting something in there that still made that miss seem cool mm-hmm. like you know like oh uh, oh i only I rolled a three it's like all right you swing your sword it collides with the orcs and he pulls you in close and growls in your face it's like that's fucking like that, it that's, amps it up it amps it up it's just like oh well i missed but i'm a fucking kill you you piece of shit. 
Yeah, I mean, like, and that's one of the important bits too is that this is an entire person's turn. This is her, their whole six seconds to shine. Mm-hmm. And so if I like they that. six seconds to shine. Yeah, and and if they spend their entire six seconds missing that isn't a wasted turn you know so it's like that's a great way to figure out how to get them to shine still even if they didn't technically game wise do anything Mm -hmm. because that's one of the beautiful things about narrating and describing combat is that you can still give that to them as a dm um i think though everyone's totally in line with us about thinking you should describe combat Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's always the trick about how to get started um i always like to say because recently um my boyfriend spencer he just actually dm'd a game and it was a lot of fun a game that spencer is dming he has something to throw at us and he he actually was wanting to do tyranny of dragons for us oh yeah you you in there too (laughs) anyways spoilers (laughs) um he was actually during this entire game that we played he was describing every single hit and i sat there and i was thinking wow is this what it feels like because this is actually really cool and it was really neat sitting there and hearing it and sometimes it was as simple as you swing your sword wide and it doesn't quite connect and it was like oh okay that makes sense Mm -hmm. and it made me realize like for creatures with super high ac it's good for those descriptions too because it's like this dragon's got like a 20 ac how am i not hitting this huge thing in front of me yeah it's not that you're not hitting it sometimes it's just that that its armor is literally so strong that you're not making a single dent in it oh yeah um not gonna do spoilers but the the last game i had like a giant freaking monster Mm -hmm. and uh my sister shot a crossbow at it and and you know rolled an eight i was like it just bounces off its height oh yeah yeah i mean like and that's also a point towards people who are wearing plate armor too Mm -hmm. these plate armor people aren't dark souls dodge rolling out of the way of arrows they're taking the brunt of the hit Mm -hmm. like they should be wearing plate armor and it's like especially those with shields you can use shields to in your description constantly so if there's one tip i always like to just kind of point out and throw out there is look at the ac and help use that to help you describe Mm -hmm. especially if it's a hit or a miss if it's a hit and if they're a rogue and they're going against something with crazy high AC because they're wearing crazy armor, describe that they're finding the gap in the armor and they're driving in that dagger yep. in there with a sneak attack. They're twisting it and then they're pulling it out with no like safer income. And so it's like that I, way you can describe it. I do think it's important to note, especially for Dallas, who's like, hey, how do you do this? You don't have to have a long you know, paragraph oh, yeah, of description. No. You can just do one sentence of description and that works fine. Yeah. I mean, constantly at the bookstore games, I, if I have, if I'm allowed with the amount of people, because <laughs> I'll tell you the last game that we did, there was like 10 or so people and I was like, I can't do descriptions right yeah. now. But if there's like, in the bookstore constantly, I would find myself going, oh yeah, you see Brandon picking up his sword and taking a swing at the bad guy. So it's your turn now. And so it's like, it kind of lets them see, like, okay, this he's actually in combat. Yeah. Um, it's especially useful for Theater of the Mind, too. Mm-hmm. Because Theater of the Mind, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's like a movie that mm-hmm. you're all playing and directing in. And <laughs> it's, it's when you're describing the combat as a DM, 
it really helps cement that in and where people are. Um, there's uh, a book we have at the bookstore. I can't remember the exact name of it right now, but they remember that one that we found that was like, oh, how to build a character. Yeah. They have that one for, for DMing now. Oh. And I, I thumbed through it because uh, a lot of it, I was just like, oh, okay, I know this stuff. This is just interesting to see. But I, I got to the part about description and they call this stuff text. And the reason for that is to be like, because you are basically doing what a writer does where you are mm-hmm. describing in text what is happening. Yeah. And that's kind of the best way to think about it is what you see in your head when this happens, your players aren't seeing. It'd be cool if you can, but you're not an X-Men. <laughs> um, so you got to describe to them in the fewest words possible. And, and when, when I say fewest words, I mean, like, the, the choice words to use for that. Yeah. A word that can describe more than just what it is. Um, and, you know, give that to the player so they can see it as well. And so it, it this is where the improv of it comes from. You don't have this pre-written down. And, and I, I'll tell you this. I used to try to do that sometimes where I'd have pre-written things written mm-hmm. down for, like, things that happen. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so you just got to do it trial by error no one is expecting you to have like let's put this back in right terms no one's expecting you to have a final draft description every (laughs) freaking time yeah and no one's expecting every description to be awesome every time and if you screw up a description you laugh it off that's what i do like i have massive social anxiety but somehow when i'm sitting around with my friends (laughs) and i fuck up a word i just like you you know what i mean yeah yeah it looked cool (laughs) there are moments where i literally am just blanking on a word and i look up with the wide eyes and i'm like guys and they're like you're uh you're looking for this word and they're like oh okay thank you that you do that (laughs) yeah so you know it's one of those things where it's like you can think about it all you want but really the best time to actually practice it is doing it in game yeah uh yeah like the suggestions i will give you for like how to actually you know get some of the ideas of what to say read some books with some fight scenes in Mm -hmm. them Granted, you know, if you're in George R. R. Martin, you're out of luck. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, you know, um, I like I said, I started listening to Critical Role. And I think one of the things that people absolutely love about Matt Mercer is this. Yeah. And he is really good at it. But you can even hear him screw it up. Like, I was listening to one yesterday while doing dishes. And, like, Matt just brain pauses. <laughs> and everyone starts laughing. He goes, oh, shut up. You know what I mean. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly it. Yeah. Like, you, like even the, the great Matt Mercer doesn't nail this every time. Yeah. But if you get some ideas in your head of, like, what you can do with it, what kind of things you can describe with it, you can have those in the back of your head while DMing and just, you know, Pick those words out as you're talking and throwing them out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, a, a decent way to practice. I wouldn't say it's, like, the best way, but pick some turn-by-turn based games. Um, oh, that's a fantastic And idea. if they hit, like, describe it. Yeah. Like, it's, if, if it's this really cool anime move, then go ahead and say what it is. <laughs> and if they completely miss doing the really cool anime move, you can begin to say it, but then try to think, like, why would this character miss? Mm-hmm. And so try to say out loud, like, okay, they missed because this person had a higher AC. Okay, well, what does that mean? And fully understand that if anyone catches you do this, you'll look absolutely insane, but I fully endorse doing it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it'll work. And so it's it's a good way to practice without... If, especially if you have that insecurity in front of your friends, which, I mean, I understand. They are your friends, yeah. but there's still that insecurity. I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a good way to get in that practice of just narrating. Yeah. Um, and I, I would definitely recommend it. But let's see. I mean, like practical tips. 
I would say look at the AC because mm-hmm. that will help you understand what they're hitting, yeah. right? Um, also, look at the weapons. Well, I, I, don't, I think it's more than that magic. Oh, yeah. Magic is fucking cool. So, like, yes. when somebody casts, you know, magic missile at level five, you can be like, like, I was it like seven or eight darts at level five? Yeah, it's crazy. You, you can describe, like, seven darts, you know, shoot out from your fingertips, arc through the mm-hmm. air, and streak down into them, and, you know, explode. And, uh, that was shitty. I know that. But <laughs> it's you know. something more than just someone rolling seven D4s and saying 18. And I think, and I feel like <laughs> that is kind of the important thing is, like, even if you do fuck it up, it's something more than just saying a number and you hit yeah it's it's at least you're trying yeah um and you know you can one of the neat things you can do and one of the reasons i highly recommend doing this is you can have your own flavor to magic Oh, and, yeah, that's and, one of the beautiful things about 5e is that they freely give you the option mm-hmm. to reskin almost everything. Yeah. And one of the things I would recommend doing with your players uh, on player side is the first couple of games when you have magic users, ask them what it looks like. Mm-hmm. What to them magic missile looks like what to them eldritch blast looks like yeah and then remember that maybe make a note of it and then every time they do that you can put some of that flavor into the description and that's going to immerse your player even more because they're like yeah that's my eldritch blast yeah i was just actually reading something where uh this villain created used this green spectral mist that formed out of their hands and the mist formed into a mini grim reaper and sliced through the back of someone and it and it caused them to move slower because death was on their hand it was just frost it was just frost hand whatever the hell that spell is that's it it was just a cantrip is amazing but they reflavored it reskinned it to make it look different. Yeah. That's um, another thing. Like, don't think a level of a spell is the level of coolness it is. It's magic. It's <laughs> magic, dude. Yeah. Uh, You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> something I would recommend, too, is that a lot of times people will not have, like, their flavor. Like, I yeah. have an artificer in my group, Spencer, and <laughs> I asked Christy. him a few times, like, what does it look like? Because I know you're not supposed to actually be like magic magic. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be like magic using tools. And he he's like, I'm not sure. I still haven't really thought of it. Granted, one reason is because he feels like it's still not really the right class yet. Yeah. And we're still working on it. But if you get something like that, then that's almost back on you as the DM. So it's like if you notice that they're they're a good person or it's like or if they're an evil person, evil is really easy. Mm-hmm then you can reflavor it to almost sort of match their player a little bit because like eldritch blast it's like this green and black like just ray Mm -hmm. of energy you can totally make that anything you want i mean like a great example is jester from critical role Mm -hmm. she's a trickster cleric and like her her what is it guardian protectors i forgot what that spell is i'm blanking on a lot of spells today Eh, um it's early (laughs) yeah (laughs) the guardian spell Mm -hmm. um like i think they're all like mini unicorns and like and just the cutest little chibi fat fey creature things and it's like they don't they're not necessarily that but because she's who she is that's what it is and i think her uh spectral weapon too is like a large ass candy cane or something like that (laughs) so it's like you can flavor it to the characters and if they don't know it yet like you as the dm can kind of gauge on what kind of character they are Mm -hmm. and go off of that too and 
again, doing like letting them describe that stuff is cool in itself, but you using that and remembering that and using it in combat mm-hmm. descriptions is really going to pull those players yeah. into the game. And not only that, you as well, you have an image of what your player characters are. Yeah. So you like it's also fun for you because like you have a better image about what's going on. You can remember having those you know pieces of uniqueness to spells or attacks or weapons lets you also remember what your players have mm-hmm. so that you don't have to go oh what what spells do they have again you know it's like oh well they got eldritch blast because it you know takes the form of a giant green dragon when he shoots it out <laughs> so yeah. like you know or cthulhu face <laughs> um, yeah and I've I've kind of noticed that describing things also makes it easier for new players to get into the game. Yes. Oh um, my god. Like when we have new people at the bookstore, and I describe them doing something like the Charlie Sheen dude. Yeah. Like I described him doing some cool Bard stuff, and he's like, "Oh, whoa, that's awesome." <laughs> yeah. And because I try to like invite them into the game by saying I know you don't understand the mechanics and right now we don't have the exact time to explain them all so you just tell me what you want to do and then by the time it gets to their turn they've seen everybody roll a dice say a number and then I I describe what happens so I get to them and I ask them well what would you like to do and sometimes they don't have an idea but most of the time I'm realizing that they do they actually kind of use what I've been narrating and they say oh well I want to get back behind him and I want to try to get on top of the armor and just stab down i'm like yeah we can do that okay so you're gonna move up behind him and i need you to roll me a d20 Mm -hmm. so it's like you providing this narrative almost invites the players to give their own outside of just number rolling like we did that one a while ago about like um we talked about during imposter system with like people expecting DD to be like critical role and like one of the things i said on there and i still find is very true is like it's a two-way street yeah like i feel like if the dm starts doing it the players might start doing yeah. it as well and once you're balancing back and forth on these descriptions that's when you get more of that immersive gameplay mm-hmm. that i think people are really looking for when playing DD. oh yeah it's especially great for groups too that are like heavy role play groups and don't do a lot of battle this will invite the group to do more battle because then role play becomes part of the battle and uh, granted if you're the board game type group where you love battle and you don't care for role play at all this is also a cool way to do about it too because it invites a more movie style action scene (laughs) i i I think i've told this story maybe it was back on dungeon driver but like the first like i like you know we started in fourth edition Mm -hmm. it was a board game yeah uh but the first time something like that got opened up to me was the the last fourth edition game i played before fully switching over to pathfinder before fifth edition came Mm -hmm. out and we were playing a game and you know i was just running it the way i'd always run fourth edition games and my buddy dave who's playing a monk walks into this room and challenges the dragonborn in there to combat yeah and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's some neat flavor. And then I'm like, all right, Dave, it's your turn. He's like, has the Dragonborn accepted? I'm like, what? What? <laughs> he's like, did the Dragonborn accept? I'm like, no, he's ignoring you. He's like, then I stand there and I stare at him and I challenge him again. Oh. I'm like, are you going to do anything else? He goes, no. And so when I, because, you know, other things ran up and fought it. So like there, he, I had to fight it. Dave's, I get to Dave's turn again. He goes, I sit down. <laughs> and i'm just like what is happening like you're giving like is it, to, to that point i was just like oh well you know combat's combat that's what you do you play it but i didn't think about like oh there can be role-playing 
during, during combat. combat. Yeah. And like that was when it just totally blew my mind and I started doing that stuff more often in there. And the, the descriptions came later because like, yeah, it is sometimes hard to do in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. And you ha- feel like you have these expectations on you. But trust me, you're not going to get better at it until you just start doing it. Yeah. It's it like it's it is kind of like writing. One of the pieces of advice you always hear from other writers is just start writing. Yeah. It doesn't well, matter exactly. what you're writing as long as you're writing. And I'm going to give that advice here too. It doesn't matter what you're describing as long as you're describing. Okay, I take that back. Some stuff don't describe. Um <laughs> But, you know, start describing stuff. Just jump yeah. in and do it and, you know, see what you can do. You don't even have to wait for combat. Start doing it the moment people are in the game and you're talking about the setting they're in, the spell they're doing, the people they're talking to. And we'll go over that one another time. Like, this one's more specifically on combat. Yeah. But just from just think about it as, like, trying to turn every hit into a crit and every miss not disappointing. And then for a crit, I mean, like, you could just straight up ask them, like, what would you, what did you want to do for this crit? Because especially if you do crit rules, like, a little differently, aside from, oh, just roll double the damage dice. Personally, I don't like doing that myself because that lends to, more often than not, like, oh, I rolled two ones. Yep. And it's like, oh, is that really a crit? Yep. No. And so I do crits differently where it's like you do max damage. Yeah, we both do it. And then you roll a die roll on top of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that will obviously do damage more than they ever could have on a normal hit so then try to invite almost like this collaborative effort on like describing mm-hmm. how did you get this damage output and so i've done that a couple times with my rogue because when a rogue quit crits it's like yeah ridiculous yeah you're you're most likely murdering something and what? so i like to bring him in and be like okay well what do you do like what is this you're, yeah. you're right there what, what happens next one of the things that i'll do with people who like aren't you know confident in describing things for themselves I'm like what do you want to do they'll tell me and then i'll like just you know anime mm-hmm. flavor text it and you know they jump all yeah. over the place and stuff like that um and if you're struggling to figure out like well how do you describe a warhammer hitting someone how do you describe a warhammer missing it's watch shows like, oh, yeah. like we talked about that earlier like i just recently watched the king on netflix watch it it's amazing and <laughs> It really inspired me. I'm like, wow, that's what it feels like to be wrestling around in just chain mail, holding a Warhammer, going around. And it's awesome looking. And I've never described it like that. Well, the, and to answer the question you asked, how do you describe a Warhammer missing? Hitting the ground and feeling it in the, uh, feeling the, it under your feet. Yeah. Like, you know, you can feel the impact on the ground. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's how you describe a missile and shit like that. Just and, yeah. think of ways to make it immersive for them. Yeah. And it's... I mean, like, yeah, we boil it down to what's their AC, figure that out based off the descriptions you can give. Mm-hmm. What weapon are they using? Are they using a weapon? And are they using a shield? Are they using a spell? Uh, are they using components? Are they using a focus? It's true. Yeah. Because if they're just a sorcerer and they don't need a focus or something, is it coming oh, from their hands? Also, it's totally okay to ask your players that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To go, what are you using again? This isn't... Okay, cool. And then describe it. Mm-hmm. You already have enough on your plate. Just yeah. ask them in the, in the, <laughs> in the time. I'm not, I'm not saying you got to remember mm-hmm. all this stuff. Um, and then just based off of that, consider... Just uh, compile from your mind palace of descriptions and think, okay, if a sword is going to hit a person wearing armor, what will that look like? And you could even just say... You swing your sword as hard as you can, and they move, they step one step to the left, and you miss completely. Mm-hmm. It could be that simple, or well, you can get really into it. Also, if you forget to do it, don't freak out. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. I mean, like a Everybody's whole. Good. 
a whole combat can go by and you could realize, oh, I didn't do anything. That's fine. Yep. You can do it the next combat. There will be yeah, another that's, one. That's the good news. There will always be another combat. <laughs> um, well, I, I think uh, I think we talked that one pretty well. <laughs> yeah, and, I, I uh, think I did. You yeah. gave some good advice, Dallas. I hope that helps you out in your game tonight because yeah. I know you're tweeting about that. Uh, if you have any more questions about describing combat or even your own tips, advice, or think we're talking completely out of our asses, uh, send those <laughs> into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we might bring it up on maybe a revisit on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're going to move over to our spotlight. And once again, we are not going to be doing a DM's Guild spotlight. We're just going to be doing a spotlight on something uh, pretty cool in the community. Um, so we talked about this briefly in a news uh, on Ben's episode, uh, but the book "The Monsters Know What They're Doing" has released this week. Yep. Uh, and or was it last week? Can't remember. It's out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's written by uh, Keith Amon. Is that how you say his name? I'm gonna say so. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, so uh, his Twitter account is at uh, Keith, and his last name is A M M A N N. And this book, the more I've read of it, because like I said in the news when I was, I was reading it, and I didn't agree with everything that's in it, and I'm that I'm still on that. However, this is a freaking wealth of useful knowledge yeah. on, on things that I would have never thought about. Yeah. Um, in fact, before that game uh, for the Golden Pals, I sat down and went through and found every monster I was using and read what he had to say about it. And yeah, I, I, t- I didn't take everything to, to heart about it, but there was a lot of stuff I'm like, oh, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to use that. I've seen a lot of people looking at it and saying like, I had no idea that cult fanatics were this deadly. Like I didn't, yeah. I had, they're, I'm using them all wrong. I'm just using them as straight bandits and that's not how they're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, one of one of my favorites I was going through, uh, I was looking at the, the Lich and dude, Keith didn't fuck around with this. <laughs> he put down at least uh, a sentence and it goes to about you know up to 10 sentences for every spell a lich could cast why they would cast it when they would cast it i love it how to best utilize it and dude i freaking loved it. it like and it's not even like like studying up for your game it's just a fun read to see mm-hmm. someone else's perspective on how you can use monsters and dude it's fantastic i i love his writing style i i love what they put put in there and uh, i'm i'm going to read this book cover to cover yeah it, it is absolutely i i love it i love that this is a hardcover book with a dust jacket on store shelves i mean you can pick this up anywhere amazon target barnes and noble whatever yeah no it's it's a really neat book and it gives dms definitely the chance to uh, especially if you feel like all the monsters you've been throwing at them are lackluster mm-hmm. this is a way to help you as the dm provide a challenge for the players well, well, let, let me tell a story that's very embarrassing yes about this go for it i don't know how but i had completely forgotten that goblins can use dash or disengage as a bonus <gasps> action they have like a minor cutting action no. i i i it just it was there and then something came in a, a freaking intellect devourer just took it right the hell out Push and it right so out. i'm reading this and like these are monsters i know and have used so many times and even though i feel like i know them reading this and him being like oh yeah you know they got this just use it i'm like oh my fucking oh. god they do son of a bitch and i used it actually uh in uh, the last bookstore game, I was had goblins. I'm like, oh wait, this would be a great time to try and run away. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's gonna bonus action disengage and just book it. Yeah, 
And it was because I read this book that I thought about that. So I, I fully recommend checking this one out. It is a big old book. Mm-hmm. God, how many, how many freaking pages is this? It's thing? a lot. 538 pages. Yeah. A lot of good knowledge, a lot of good use for a DM. But we're going to add in here real quick that uh, it's not just always going to be for a DM. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Keith Amen, uh, he recently announced that he's actually making a second book. Mm-hmm. Well, publishing a second book. Yeah. It's still pretty much kind of all on the blog, but it's going to be in book form. Um, do you have the title? It, it, yes. It is called uh, Live to Tell the Tale, Combat Tactics for Player Characters. Yes. So I was looking, I, I was on Twitter when he announced it and everything, and it was hilarious because he actually said, because someone asked him, like, how come you did this? And he said, well, when people started thanking me for helping them achieve TPKs, I knew I had to atone. Yeah. So that's a direct quote from him, and I'm like, yeah, no, I really appreciate that because... For in the wrong hands, this book can be really, really deadly. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like the monsters know what they're doing. Book that book can be just completely wipe out it, every if, single if battle. You ran the goblins as written in this book for a level one party. You murder them. Yeah absolutely murder them yeah and that's the important thing to note is that this book isn't a guidebook on to how it's not a rule book on how to run these monsters it's more like a guidebook on how to approach them suggestions yeah it's barbosa with the guidelines it's more of a guideline yeah (laughs) no it it, uh do please do not run this book as written because he because the thing is the titles the monsters know what they're doing this is the most ideal situation yeah, that could happen with them yeah. where all of their best laid plans went exactly as written. Exactly. And, and it's it, I, I find that this is great for piecemealing these things out and mm-hmm. throwing them in here and there so that, you know, there's something that surprises your players, but it's not just you beating them down <laughs> in a goblin cave where they'll never be found again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, we've talked about TPKs before, too. Yeah. and Also, don't thank someone for achieving a TPK. No. It's just weird. That makes them feel weird, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the uh, the what, 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 the book, the uh, Live to Tell the Tale, it's coming out next year, June 23rd, 2020. Uh, I'm extremely excited for this. And oh, yeah. Like, like Ali said, and I forgot to mention, this is based off of his blog, uh, which you can go visit right now. So if you want to read these things, you can just go read them now for yeah. free on his blog. We'll post a link when we post the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I believe the the Live to Tell the Tale stuff is also in there. Mm-hmm. So um, give get, check out Keith's stuff. He's really good at what he does, and I, I think you can learn a lot from what he wants to tell you. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, the book out right now is The Monsters Know What They're Doing. You can buy it pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll post a link to his blog and to his uh, Twitter account and all that good stuff so you can go tell Keith that we sent you. Uh, all right. Oh, my God. Topic two. <laughs> Unearthed Arcana. Unearthed Arcana. This it was a doozy. Behemoth. <laughs> Thirteen pages. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's literally about the player's handbook, essentially. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like the entire class section yeah. of the player's handbook, it got a touch up in some way or another. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll start us off. Yeah, yeah, please do. Well, uh, some preface. Uh, yeah. We're not going to do our normal read everything. <laughs> we're going to go through 
the by title and talk about what we thought and give like a brief description yeah. about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, this podcast would be three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So. This entire Unearthed Arcana is called Class Feature Variants, mm-hmm. and they pretty much open it up to each class in D&D gains features. Uh, have you ever wanted an alternative to one of those features, or do you have a feature that gives you options to choose from and you'd like more options? Um, if the answer is yes, the following variants are for you. And so they, find, they have features that replace or enhance the normal features of your character class. Yeah. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. All classes. So this is available to every class in the game, mostly because every class has this feature in the game. Um, At fourth level and higher, because at fourth level is when you get it first. And it's important to note uh, note here that this is an enhancement. There is going to be either enhance or replace. So this is enhances ability score improvement. It's called the proficiency versatility. Whenever you gain the ability score, let's see, improvement feature, you can replace one skill with the skill proficiency offered. So if you're a fighter and you have survival, you can instead have animal handling. Yeah. This is like basically like a um, wizards or whatever. One of the spellcasting classes being able to switch out spells at different levels. Mm -hmm. This is weird yeah because it was like hey yesterday i could track the shit out of this dude today though i can look at that thing and tell you a lot about it it's weird the way they describe it is this change represents one of your skills atrophying as you focus on a different skill yeah so it's like saying without practice the skill goes away and i'm like thinking uh, but at higher levels especially that sounds weird because yeah. like if you were really good at stealth for the first 11 levels of the game and then all of a sudden you're like really good at like history oh, yeah hang on, hang it's on. strange and it, yeah. but it is important to know that it's from the class not from the background yeah exactly it's so it depends on what class you are and so naturally you had touched on all all of these skills Mm -hmm. the book assumes if you're picking this class if you're a cleric you know some religion not saying that you studied it extensively but at least you know of it (laughs) and so the idea that you can change it when you get the ability score improvement Mm -hmm. uh, okay um all right let's move on to barbarian Mm -hmm. so survival instincts second level barbarian feature replaces danger sense so as a reminder, Danger Sense is advantage on deck saves versus effects that you can see, like traps and yeah. spells. Uh, so this one is, uh, you become proficient w- uh, in your choice of two of the following skills, animal handling, medicine, nature, perception, or survival. Your proficiency bonus is doubled uh, when you use any mm-hmm. of these. It gives expertise. Interesting. And um, it's cool to see expertise moving into other classes. Yeah. Um, and you'll see, uh, we, we'll get into it further, but this is not the only one that has that. Yeah. Uh, interesting that... It's letting barbarians be super good at a skill check. Yeah. But it, you do lose danger sense, but I, you know, that's danger kind sense, of up to the d- uh, barbarian you're playing. Yeah, danger sense is probably one of the cooler ones for mm-hmm. barbarians, I'll say. So mm, this one would be difficult for me to choose yeah. whether to replace it because this is not an enhancement. This is a you don't get danger sense, you instead get this. Uh, instinctive pounce, fifth level barbarian feature replaces fast movement. Uh, when a creature ends its turn within 15 feet of you, you can use your reaction to move up to half your speed to a space closer to the creature. This movement doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity. That's that, yeah, no, okay, so for fast re- movement, which is what it replaces, all it is is that fifth level, you get 10 feet while you, 
your speed increases by 10 feet when you're not wearing heavy yeah. armor. Uh, th- this is kind of like a uh, step up in Pathfinder. Yeah. And I think that's great. I would totally use that one uh, other than fast movement. 100%. Yeah, I don't need to move 40 feet a turn if they get within 15 feet of me and I can move directly up to them mm-hmm. without, yeah. That's kind of the perfect thing for if you're like juggling around a boss fight and you, you're being swarmed, if the boss gets a little bit closer to you, you can avoid all the p- mm-hmm. people that are by you and just go straight towards the boss. Um, that's all there is for a barbarian, which is slightly disappointing, but I, I like that they're at least touching on stuff. Like It sort of feels like these are things that they came up for uh, came up with for the other class archetypes mm-hmm. and didn't find a place for them. Yeah. Um, especially on ones as short as the Barbarian. Then we got the Bard. Yeah, so a lot of the, uh, with a lot of the major spellcasters, they actually have a thing called Enhanced Spellcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, bards is one of those classes. Uh, essentially, it they have a list of spells and it expands the bard spell yeah, list. There, there's quite a few of them to get added on here. Some of them are cool. Some of them are, I'm surprised we're never on there. Like exactly. command, um, enlarge, reduce, mirror image, mass healing word, mass healing word. Yeah. yeah. Like you, uh, we'll, we'll definitely post a link to this on our if you haven't seen already, but mm-hmm. read through these. Cause there, I was surprised that a lot of them throughout all of the spell lists that got updated that weren't already on there. Yeah. And it's nice that they are going back and adding them for whatever this playtest may lead into, which we mm-hmm. might talk about later. Um, another thing that is just added on to the spellcasting, which, again, I mentioned this before, this will be common throughout a lot of spellcasters, spell versatility. Mm-hmm. When you finish a long rest, you can replace one spell you learned from this feature with another spell from the bard spell list. It must be the same level as the spell you replace. So, honestly... I like it. The more I thought about it, the more yeah. I like it. Because I, when we read this the night it came out on, on Bard, I was like, ah, oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But now that I think about it, I was like, oh, this is the song that's stuck in my head today. Yeah. And it on top that, of that, yeah. not just like flavor wise, too, because flavor wise, it was tough to wrap my head around. But technical wise, there have been many times where I've picked a spell and I'm like, I, this is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to play with this anymore. And instead of waiting for another level to get to change out that spell, instead, when I finish a long rest, I could swap it out. Yeah. Um, and it's only one spell. So it's not like you're matching up with druids or That's clerics. true. That's, that is a good thing to point out. Yeah. So it's only one spell that you can swap out per long rest. And I think that'll still be... And it, it adds to the versatility of a class, which, I mean, versatility is pretty much always good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, my favorite thing they add to the bard, and the last thing on the list, magical inspiration. Mm-hmm. First level bard feature enhances bardic inspiration. This lets you add the bardic inspiration die to magic damage and healing rolls. That is freaking awesome. Yes. Oh, so, my God. Finally, um... A lot of times the bardic inspiration tends to go towards fighters or strikers yeah. of some sort. And this can actually really help out spellcasters now. Well, d- d- yeah. like, And this goes healing. out to every bard type, too. Yeah. This isn't like a bard archetype feature. Yeah. This is bard feature. You get this at first level. It goes on top of your regular bardic inspiration. I, I freaking love it. It's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things I'm just like surprised it wasn't there from the get-go. Yeah. Um, um, let's see. So up next is the cleric. Mm-hmm. So 
when you're a cleric, you can swap out all of your spells at a long rest. That's just what you prepare for the day. However, you can't swap out your cantrips. Yeah. Now you can. Um, just like the bard can um, swap out a level when they level up. Well, swap, out, swap out a spell when they level up. Mm -hmm. The clerics can now when they gain a level, replace one cantrip with another one from the cleric spell list. Yeah. Um, I also really like that because oh, yeah, it, no, it's, it's just, it's brilliant and it makes sense and it's it's exactly how you, it should you be. You only get so many of them and, you know, every time I made a cleric, I sit there just staring at because I'm like, this is it. This is it for the rest of the game. Yeah. Like, I have to pick these out so carefully. Yeah. And now I could just be like, you know what? I don't want Sacred Flame today because we're going to go talk to some freaking high ruler that we're friends with. Well, it's per level. When you gain a level, you oh, can swap per, it out. Oh, oh, that's why I was messing. I still, that's fine. Yeah. I like that. And so it's like, again, it's technicalities of the game. If you're playing a cleric and you realize I never use this cantrip ever, yeah. you can finally swap it out when you level it's like, up. like, hey, I took light, but so did every other magic caster in this and I've never actually used it <laughs> i took light yet everyone has dark vision <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um list also got updated mm -hmm. um probably the thing that is the most awesome that got added smites yeah wrathful smite and yeah. branding smite are now on the cleric list not to mention at ninth level which i know is like a way far away from most mm -hmm. clerics power word heal yeah because a lot of i think all the power words are wizard spells mm -hmm. and yeah. so the power fact that they got that a lot uh, mm -hmm. on spell lists now which is really interesting um not sure how that does with the lore because i thought power words were like super rare and shit like that but still i like the fact that they well it's also a ninth level spell i think clerics can only ever cast one a yeah. day anyways yeah. so uh then the channel divinity harness divine power second level cleric feature enhances channel divinity so this is on top of what every cleric gets as turn undead mm -hmm. they also get harness divine power so now instead of just turn undead that you get as a cleric you also get harness divine power which is essentially you bonus action you regain a first level spell slot yeah you burn a channel divinity and you regain a first level spell slot. which i could not ask for more because at low levels especially clerics have so little spell slots mm -hmm. and they don't really have a way to gain them back except through long rest i believe and so this is like the perfect thing because you want your clerics to be able to cast spells yeah and i mean like this in a tough situation is a healing word oh yeah because it's a bonus action too so it's like you can bonus action gain back a first level spell and it's not a spell so you then can cast a first level spell that same turn well except for healing word because yeah except for healing word. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's it's a nice way to help boost again the support concept yeah. of D because there's not really a lot you can do with support <laughs> um bless strikes is next eighth level cleric divine domain feature replaces divine strike and potent spell casting so this is actually not exactly a cleric uh, feature. It's more so getting into the different types of clerics. Like the yeah. life domain has the divine strike, which essentially once on each turn, you can cause the attack to deal extra 1d8 damage. And that's with a weapon attack. Mm -hmm. um, and then potent spell casting, I think, is through uh, the light one. Um, starting at eighth level, you add your wisdom mod to the damage you deal with any cleric cantrip which can be helpful this now allows you to add 1d8 to any damage roll yes so magic weapon whatever and you know you're not going to increase it like you would with divine strike and you're not adding a flat number like you are with potent spell casting but 
The fact that you get 1d8 and yeah. you can just add it to every damage roll. If you're a mid-range cleric, you'd probably want to replace one of those with this because yeah. you can decide, oh, I want to go in there with my weapon this time or I want to stay back and hit with my spells. Yeah. And it goes for cantrips and regular spells too. Mm -hmm. So you could do Guiding Bolt and you can deal an extra 1d8 of damage on top well, of that. Well, the with the Light Domain Cleric, you can you know add that d8 to some fiery power and mm -hmm. kick some ass. Exactly. And so... I think that's a really good replacement. Now, the druid is up next. This one, I don't... It, eh, you, okay, it gets cantrip versatility, just like the cleric, which is good. Yeah, so when they gain a level, they can swap out a cantrip. Um, they got some more spells with uh, with uh, enhanced spell casting. I do like the new spells that they got on there because a lot of them make sense. Oh, yeah, no, this was definitely <laughs> the one that I was like, wait, acid splash wasn't on there? Elemental yeah, weapon fire wasn't on shield, there? immolation, flesh to stone, like, incinerary so cloud. elemental things on here that they didn't have the ability to do was weird. Yeah. But they also got mass polymorph and power word heal pretty cool yeah and i like that because they were really withholding a lot of like the elemental spells to the evocation flavor wizard mm -hmm. so it's like i like that they're kind of saying no the nature people should get the elemental spells too yeah. <laughs> i uh was i i mixed this up this one i'm actually i i like a lot i thought it was a different one coming up wild companion uh level two feature enhances wild shape uh basically you can burn a wild shape to cast fine familiar yeah and you just get and it says uh the familiar is a fae instead of a beast and you have an animal friend now oh my mm -hmm. god a druid having an animal friend what, what? a concept wow i know i love it <laughs> now you could just you know be a druid and have a small squirrel friend at all times yeah and that's totally what i'm gonna make forever now and the familiar lasts as long as you would be able to last in your druid shape anyways mm -hmm. so it's it's wonderful I, I really like that option and it's a it's an enhancement too mm -hmm. so it doesn't replace your wild shape yep. it just is an option on top of it um fighter is up next fighting mm -hmm. style options this one i don't want to like get too in depth about i'd rather just kind of talk about them okay yeah so there are several new fighting styles added to this list um fighting styles if you don't remember are pretty much like you get the plus one to armor you get plus two to your attack rolls mm -hmm. as an archer you get plus one if you're dealing with one-handed weapons etc etc um this one adds on to that so and they're not all combat things no which is interesting. yeah uh they actually kind of got more into the like one utility of the, kind yeah, of concept like one of them is silver tongue where you can uh get you know charisma deception or charisma persuasion uh you can spend experience die and roll it with it mm -hmm. it's interesting stuff like that and i mean there's also like you know uh snipe which uh can let you do more range stuff yeah which is cool they they definitely made it more like my problem with the maneuvers was it was very aimed towards shield and sword yeah and because like there wasn't a lot of support there was like three support ones really well not just that but i know people who are like wait you can you can be a ranged fighter <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah you can this this definitely opens up yeah. being able to do that um there's also one that i will point out is called unarmed fighting oh yeah which i will say is a little problematic because it completely overlaps and you would never take the um I forgot exactly what the name of the feat is called, but it's like brawl fighter mm -hmm. feat or something like that. Brawler. I don't know exactly, but it's pretty much instead of dealing, you would deal 1d4 damage with your fists or it's like 1d6 damage yeah, with 1D6, your fists. Yeah. And that's it. And But this one, you straight up deal 1d6 plus strength mod 
or if you're dealing with two hands, it's an, a D8 plus your strength mod. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a fighter or a ranger or a paladin, you're never going to take that feat yeah. ever because you have this option. And especially if you're going for that Pugilist build, then you don't need that. And the only thing that now benefits you is, uh, oh, yeah, you get proficiency with improvised weapons. Yeah. And that's the only reason why you'd get that feat. So it's like, eh, it feels like sometimes some of these should be feats more so than enhancements. But um, maneuver versatility is another thing that they get. Yeah. Uh, first level feature enhances maneuvers. Uh, if you know any maneuvers from the fighter's uh, battle master archetype, you can replace one maneuver with a different one uh, after you finish a long rest. This is like the spells and all that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Again, it's like flavor wise, it's a little difficult to wrap mm -hmm. my head around, but technical wise i do enjoy it because you don't know how your party is gonna mesh especially as a battle master i can't tell you how many times i've built a battle master because i like them they're mm -hmm. the support fighter honestly and i've built them and i'm like wow i only have one other striker on my team this entire maneuver is useless i don't want it anymore yeah. and so it's like you have to readjust yourself but you can't replace it this however allows you to and I like that option. We did forget to mention fighting style options at first level. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you gain the fighting style feature, you get uh, access to the variant in the fighting style section. The superior, superior technique style is also added to the list of style options available to you. Yeah, one of the available uh, fighting style is superior technique. Essentially, you get one battle master maneuver. Yep, and you get one superiority die, and you get the DC and yeah. all that so stuff. So you can be a uh, champion fighter or an eldritch fighter, yep. and you can know a maneuver, yeah. which I think is actually really neat. It is. Um, I would only personally do this if i was just planning on already going into battle master so that i could have more stuff just another one yeah it's a little bit of a weaker one because mm -hmm. it's it's meant to be like anyone can take it but it's i think it's still nice uh monk is up next mm -hmm. uh, not the show uh <laughs> monk weapons basically what this is doing is it's allowing you to use more than what was available to you beforehand with via like what weapons a monk could use and uh, you practice your martial arts with uh, uh, ah, specially chosen weapons, which become monk weapons for you. You can choose a number of weapons uh, to be your monk weapons equal to five plus your wisdom modifier. The chosen weapons must each meet the following criteria: the weapon must not be simple, or the weapon must be simple or martial. Uh, you must be proficient with the weapon. The weapon must lack the properties heavy, special, and two-handed. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it took away essentially the requirement for it to be like a simple weapon yeah. or a quarter staff. It's like, or short sword it was. Yeah. yeah so basically I, with this, like you could do the right things and yeah. be a monk with a long sword, which is kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. And I really like that. It 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 makes it make sense. It works for me. Um, what's the next one? So the next one actually doesn't make any sense until you read the <laughs> second one. Um, Let's do that one first. Yeah. So. The key features, it actually enhances keys. So these are more options you can spend your key on at second level. Um, you got Distant Eye, which is essentially, if you're, you can spend one key point to prevent attacking at long range with disadvantage mm -hmm. um, until the end of the current turn. Mm -hmm. So if you're throwing a lot of darts at disadvantage, instead you're just rolling them at normal. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have quickened healing, which is at two key points, you roll your martial arts die and you regain a number of hit points equal to the number rolled. It's cool. So those are neat. Um, 
that's as an action. And so the one that we were talking about earlier is key fueled strike. If you spend one key or more as part of your action, you can then immediately make one unarmed strike as a bonus action. So that didn't make sense to us at first because we were looking at the monks and like all these key things already take up a bonus action. And yeah. so looking at the distant eye and quick and healing, that one makes sense yeah. because it's Though, especially quick and healing is I really the only admit, one it applies to. I'm not to. sure about the ones in Xanathar. There might be more action ones in there, but I can't yeah. But yeah, the, uh, both of these are uh, second level monk feature. Uh, they both enhance key. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, I do like the idea of like throwing something at ranged, uh, not having disadvantage, and then just punching someone next to you. <laughs> uh, I think that one looks kind of funny. I can just imagine. <laughs> because have you ever been like reading a book way up close and then you look out and your eyes go weird? It's, it's like the yeah. opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that, we've got Paladin. Paladin, yeah. Uh, fighting style options is the first so. one. Second level Paladin feature enhances fighting style. Uh, basically, they gain the access to the other fighting styles that came from the fighter, but also get Blessed Warrior. Which is really neat. <laughs> you learn two cantrips of your choice from a cleric spellless. You can finally make a Paladin that can cast Sacred Flame. Holy shit. Yeah, and no, not it's... have to take a feat. Like, yeah. I love it. Yeah, you can have a holy warrior paladin, which, I mean, like, that's kind of half their shtick. I want to do it. <laughs> so cool. And so I'm really glad that now you can you can have that. And plus, they also bumped in the thing that clerics get, where whenever you gain a level, you can replace one of these cantrips with another cantrip from the cleric spell list. Yeah, like, it, like honestly, like, if you would let me, I would co go back and change this on my paladin for a Ravnica game. Because, oh, yeah. Because, like, I don't use the fighting style I took enough. This would be freaking awesome. No, 100%. And so I... Honestly, the, the Blessed Warrior just makes a lot of sense. And it's an enhancement, so that doesn't mean you have to pick up. It's just now available to yep. you. Um, they did get some... Uh, so the, next, they also got some spell uh, enhancements. Yeah, some um, of them make sense. Like, they now have healing. Spirit Guardians. Oh, yeah, hey, that spell guard. I forgot the name of. Yeah. Um, yeah, Warding Bond. <laughs> okay, so I know that Warding Bond is weird because I know a few Paladin paths, I think, offer it. Yeah. Um, so that one's a little odd, but... Yeah, so you got Warding Bond on there, Flame Strike. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, they got a Channel Divinity, Harness Divine Power. You can expend one use of your Channel Divinity to fuel your spells yeah. as a bonus action. You touch it's your Holy... Oh, yeah. The same, same as thing. the Cleric. That's yeah, the same thing. Which... I didn't, really, I didn't catch that one earlier. Makes sense, because, again, they're supposed to be hailed as, like, this Holy Warrior. I know that a lot of times they've actually been getting away from that and saying, you can be devoted to a concept yeah. or to an oath, and it's but, like... But this is cool, because it's like... You know, there's smites at first level. Yeah. So I can just be like, hey, I'm really pissed. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to make sure this thing's super dead. Exactly. Regain, use, and then on the next turn attack. Yeah, that's going to be good. Um, Ranger. Uh, Deft Explorer. Uh, so this a... replaces Natural Explorer, which Natural Explorer, if you don't remember, is basically favored terrain. Mm -hmm. um, you choose a favored terrain like coast, desert, forest, and when you make checks for it, your proficiency is doubled. So this replaces that. Mm -hmm. um, you're an unsurpassed explorer. Choose one of the following benefits and then choose another one at six and ten. So just like you would at Natural Explorer, you can choose another one at six and another one at ten. Um, there's a few options in here. Yeah. They're, I wouldn't say they're amazing, but they're different. Like, canny is you, there's a list of skills that you can choose and, you know, get and then add double proficiency to, kind of like the barbarian one. Yeah. Uh, cool. 
Yeah, you get expertise, and then you get two languages. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after that, roving, your walking speed increases by five feet, and you gain a climb and swim speed equal to your walking speed. Which, I mean, it, I think that's actually pretty neat, especially... It depends on the campaign. Yeah. Um, if you have one that where your DM does like to throw a lot of different fighting types at you where it's like oh all of a sudden you're in a cave and there's a pool of water and then there's like a different like levels to a fight it's like yeah roving would actually be pretty cool mm -hmm. but if you're in a campaign where the dm often throws a board at you and it's a flat piece of earth and you're like okay i just gotta go walk over there and hit it yeah eh, probably not the useful uh tireless does an action you gain uh you can give yourself a number of temporary hit points equal to 1d10 plus your wisdom modifier um Okay. You get temp hit points as an action. Oh, yeah, you can yeah. do it equal to your wisdom mod. And then when you finish a short rest, it's a short rest, your exhaustion level is decreased by one. Yeah. That one's pretty neat. But again, it depends on the campaign you're in. If your game does run with exhaustion a bit, maybe that'll be worth it. Like I think a lot of West March's campaigns do kind of focus on the survival aspect of it yep. sometimes. And so these extra ones would probably be pretty cool. Um, but as just straight campaign books go, I don't really see much opportunity for that happening. Uh, next one's probably the coolest that the ranger gets, which is favored foe. This replaces yeah. favorite enemy. Uh, you can call on your bond of nature to mark a creature as your favorite enemy for a time. You know hunter's mark spell. This, by the way, is level one. You know the hunter's mark spell, and wisdom is your spellcasting ability for it. Um, you can use it a certain number of times uh, without expending a spell slot uh, or without requiring concentration. A number mm -hmm. of times equal to your wisdom modifier, you regain all uses after you finish a long rest. When you gain uh, the spell casting feature at second level, Hunter's Mark doesn't count against the number of ranger spells you know. So, personally, I really like this. The fact that they don't have to concentrate is amazing and yeah. super cool and makes the ranger like actually like a little bit better about something than the rest of the spellcasters. Yeah, and I know that some rangers do rely heavily on favored enemy like i think the colossus slayer does and mm -hmm. so like if you're fighting against your favorite enemy as a colossus slayer you can deal a crazy amount of damage yeah. but when you're not a colossus slayer and like you're like uh, you know you're hanging out with animals Joshmo, yeah uh this is actually probably the better option yeah. or like if you're a ranger that I mentioned this to you before, like a bounty hunter. Yeah. You can track people using Hunter's Mark. You know where they are. And the fact that you get it without concentration, you can ping that on them and they flee. And you're like, no worries, guys. I know where he is for the next hour. Mm -hmm. Just for the pure sake of knowing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, that's a really cool utility concept. Uh, after that, fighting style options, they get the uh, same ones as the fighter as well, mm -hmm. along with Druidic Warrior. Uh, you learn two cantrips of your choice from the Druid spell list. Again, I think it's something that should have just happened probably from the start because like, they they really did try to keep the nature elemental spells from like... like I, I, I know where they were going with these classes yeah. originally, so I understand why it wasn't there, but like now where we are in D&D... It makes a lot of sense. It, this is great and well, yeah. well needed. Um, and again, the they pretty much get all the spells that are added on, kind of similar to what the druid gets. Mm -hmm. uh, they do have more weapon-specified ones. Um, like they have magic weapon, enhance ability, and stuff like that, but it's like... All of these make sense. Yeah, the the spells that they added to the list is just they they get dominate beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, spell versatility. Uh, this is uh, after you finish a long rest, you can replace one of your spells you've learned. Yeah. Cool. So just like with the 
bard got and uh, yeah you can when you finish long rest replace mm. one spell which again flavor wise not sure how that's done but technical wise i can appreciate uh spell focus and cre- uh enhances spell casting uh when you use a druidic uh you, you can use you a can druidic use focus a druidic focus as, uh, a spell casting focus for the ranger spells cool yeah i mean i like that because again if you're playing a more nature focused route like ranger yeah, totally. You can completely do that. Uh, primal awareness replaces primal or uh, primeval awareness. Uh, you can focus your awareness through the uh, interconnections of nature. You learn additional spells when you reach certain levels in this class. Um, and so the, the spells are kind of cool, uh, but also you can cast uh, each of these spells once without expending a spell slot. Once you cast uh, a spell in this way, you can't do it again until you finish the rest. So... This replaces primeval awareness. Um, just a quick reminder, pretty much at third level, you can use your action and expend a spell slot. And for one minute per level of the spell slot, you can just sense what following types of creatures, right? So yeah. it's like you got dragons, elementals, etc. And it's up to within six miles of you. Yeah. Um, if, like, like if you're in your favorite terrain or one mile if you're not. And, and the spells you can do is like detect magic, speak with animals, speak with plants, locate creature. It's kind of cool because this feels like it's allowing you to like multi-class with druid yeah and i kind of like it too because they don't you don't have to expend a spell slot in order to do these like um with primeval awareness you did (laughs) like oh well there goes one of your hunter's marks you know so it's like with this one no you don't need to do that with detect magic which wizards don't yeah if they have it prepared they can cast it ritually right yeah and so it's like a lot of these makes sense i mean locate animals or plants yeah be sense totally uh fadeaways after that 10th level ranger feature. this one's interesting hide in plain sight okay so hide in plain sight um it's a very interesting one that i don't think anyone ever uses it's uh what's that guy's name from the hunger games Peta. Mr. I'm gonna make myself look like a rock. I, I can make cakes and also make myself look like wood. Hide in plain sight is you spend one minute creating camouflage for yourself. You can't move, but you get a plus 10 de- bonus to dexterity self checks as long as you remain there. And then. Fade away, use a bonus <laughs> action, and magically become invisible. Along with all your equipment you're wearing, carrying until you until the start of your next turn. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short, long rest. You're yeah. just fucking gone. You're just gone, and that's at 10th level. Yep. So compared that to hide in plain sight at 10th level, you can hide in a tree and they wouldn't be able to see you, sure. But fade away is I can become invisible as a bonus action, mm-hmm. and it doesn't say the invisibility goes away when you attack or anything either. So yep. it's like... Oh, well, it's at the start of your next turn. Well, yeah. Yeah. But bonus oh, action yeah, you could just... at the beginning of your turn, and then just you're invisible. Kill or fight something and then move away. With advantage and then move away. Huh. And that's at 10th level. So, I mean, like, honestly, the power level of it makes sense. Because yeah. it's at 10th level. You should be doing something really cool like that anyways, as opposed to just but hiding. I think my thing for this one is kind of like the, the rune magic fighter thing in yeah the UA. it's just like where did this come from how did you learn how to do yeah. this what is going on here because i mean we kind of talked about it with the other ua when it comes to rangers it's like you almost forget that they are magically tied yeah. to nature and i wish there was a better flavor for this like they they gave no like, at least some of these, they're all like, oh, yeah, you can focus your awareness through the interconnections of nature. But with Fade Away, they're just like, oh, no, you become invisible. And that's it. 
The next one is Ranger Companion Options. It enhances Ranger yeah. Companions. This one I definitely don't want to go into too much because... The, I was just talking about flavor. They really get into it here. In short, yeah, I, actually, long section. I actually really like it. Okay. Um, to boil it really, really boiled down, um, essentially you get access to a primal beast known as the beast of air or beast of earth um they're looking for a friend and you're looking for a friend and the two of you come together um the beast of air they have their own stat blocks in here and it seems fair honestly and they kind of level up with you too which is pretty neat um as a companion should probably the best thing on them is if you're ever worried about your companion dying uh this has primal rebirth good lord Uh, yeah these have if the beast has died within the last hour you can use an action to touch it and expend it a first level spell slot or higher the beast returns to life after one minute and has all of its hit points restored yeah awesome you no longer have to worry about the dog dying at the end of the movie this will come back (laughs) um they're cool also just kind of I don't know. There's something off about it. I don't know what it is. Like, I like it mechanically, but thematically, there's just something weird about it. If you actually read the whole thing, I think it fits really well. Um, Personally, I really like it. And as far as the Rangers go, because the concept of Beastmaster has kind of been lost on a lot of people. They think you're like, oh, it's just you make an animal friend. But this Mm -hmm. one really connects you with the nature is a force. And it wants to welcome you because you're trying to protect it. And like this actually invites that kind of concept. And so I, I personally really like it. Um, all right. Next up, we've got Rogue, which just has one thing. Mm-hmm. Cunning action aim. Second level Rogue feature enhances cunning action. Yep. Uh, you gain an additional way to use uh, your cunning action. Carefully aiming your next attack as a bonus action. You can give yourself advantage on the next attack roll on your current turn. Uh, you can use this bonus action only if you haven't moved during this turn. And after uh, you use the bonus action, your speed becomes zero. So basically, it's making you take extra yeah. to, to line up that shot. I love it. Um, this... <laughs> This actually incredibly reminds me of Star Wars. Aim was a thing you can do, oh, and it yeah, added yeah, an entire yeah. blue dice to At it. At first, I was like, the movies? What part? No, 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 the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about when Han was trying to shoot the thing blind? <laughs> yeah, because I remember constantly I would sit there because I would shoot a gun. I'd be like, I'm going to aim, yeah. and then I'm going to shoot. And it's like, okay, that's your that's your whole turn. I'm like, yes, I'm going to get a blue die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it reminds me of that. But honestly... I like it, but this goes on top of dodging, uh, dodging, not dodging, good lord, I can't speak today. Um, (laughs) It goes on top of all your regular cunning action stuff, so dashing and moving away from people and everything like that. Disengage, thank you, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned. And so, sure, this uses your bonus action, but it gives you self-advantage. Yeah, like If, if you've got a ranged rogue, this is awesome. Yeah, this is perfect. And even if you don't, because it's just sitting there able for you to use, you can be like, oh, I'm going to throw this thing. Oh, I'm just not going to move and just chuck it from here. <laughs> yeah. Make sure I have advantage on it. And if I hit, I get sneak attack. Like, hilariously enough, you and I kind of talk about it a lot where promoting movement in a game, I think this would actually promote a lot. Because yeah. even though it says you can't move, I think this would invite rogues Getting to into get position. into the correct position to do so. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Uh, Sorcerer is up next. Uh, Sorcerer spells uh, enhancements. Uh, it, it's like, yeah, good stuff on here, but also just like, eh, all right. I didn't really see a need for kind of any of these. The only Greece. one I would say would be Fire Shield and Grease. The, 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 the one I, that's on here that I know my, my, 
my best friend Kyle would love is oh, Flam- yeah. Flaming Sphere. <laughs> uh, so much so that he he loved that spell so much, I amended it into his sorcerer back in the day, and now yeah. it's just legal. I don't understand why protection from evil and good is on there. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's it's right oh, there with Grease. Weird. Yeah, I don't understand why that's on there. Um. They also get spell versatility, where they can switch mm-hmm. out spells. So one, after on long rest. rest, you can replace one spell, which again, cool. nice. Yeah. And with sorcerers, I actually makes get sense. it. Makes yeah, sense. makes sense. Uh, font of magic options. So font of magic is essentially the sorcerer points. Yeah. In case you don't remember, um, they get empowering reserves. Uh, when you make the uh, an ability check on your turn, you can spend two sorcery points to gain advantage on the check. Cool. Uh, imbuing touch, uh, you can spend uh, two sorcery points to imbue it or, or to imbue a weapon with magic for one minute. It's basically a magic weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, then sorcerer fortitude as an action, you can spend any number of sorcery points and roll a d4 and regain and get temporary hit points equal to what you roll. So you can spend yeah. like five sorcerer points, roll five d4, and get temporary hit points. Equal. So these aren't meta magic. This is just part of your font of magic. So you yeah. don't have to choose these as part of the few meta magic options that you can choose mm-hmm. you just automatically have access to these and i like that i do too because honestly the amount like once you pick those meta magic options it's like well that's it like i like <laughs> these are awesome as a great option but yeah if, if i had to choose between this and careful spell i'd be like no fuck that careful spell yeah um i will say that they're these options are kind of there for depending on the party match like yeah. if if you're the party makeup, like if you don't have any bards, the empowering reserves is a brilliant thing to have because you're not going to have that skill jockey. I don't on know. There. I, I feel like just you know shit happens. Like yeah. you know, you might the bard might be out of spells, the cleric might be down, mm-hmm. and this is a great just backup thing that you don't have to waste another option on and just have. Yeah, so I love that. Oh yeah. And so it's like, I, I know, because I was just talking about this with Spencer, too, and he was saying, like, a lot of these feel like they touch on other people's toes. Like, mm-hmm. they completely climb over. I'm like, oh, well, it depends on the party makeup. Yeah. Um, all right. After that, I scroll away stupidly. Uh, meta magic options. So it's like when you get to choose which meta magic you want to go from when you're using up your sorcery spells. Um, usually you only get two choices of the following options, which is, like, only, like, I think nine or so options this one adds a few of them you get elemental spell which honestly i really like it's very pathfindery yes. right um so elemental spell is whenever you cast a spell that deals a type of damage from the final list you can spend one sorcery points to change that damage type to one different type so you could have a lightning ball or an acid ball mm-hmm. or a thunder ball mm-hmm. you could have James a cone of fire you yeah. could have a cone of lightning. Yeah. Good lord, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> uh, after that, you got seeking spell. When you mm-hmm. cast a spell that requires uh, you to make a spell attack, uh, spell attack roll, or that forces the target to make a dexterity saving throw, you can spend one sorcery point. Uh, ignore the effects of half or three quarters cover against the target. That's sick. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that a lot. It's like, hey, you see that fucker over there? Get him. Mm-hmm. And so that's also, I mean, lending back to the topic we talked about earlier today, you could really describe that happening. Oh, like yeah. this spell will literally, what, what's that really weird movie? Wanted. The Wanted, where they curve the I bullet. I was literally going to say, it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be freaking James McAvoy and Wanted with just all my spells. Yeah. And uh, so that's pretty neat. Uh, unerring un- spell? I don't know how you say Unerring spell, un-erring yeah. Spell. So essentially, if you roll for an attack spell and you miss, spend two sorcery points and you can re-roll it. 
that's it. That, you can use the second. You have to use the second result. That's great for this dude over here. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like if you notice that you just cast your eighth level spell and it missed. Great. I can't do that again. Well, cat, just spend simple two sorcery points, and there you go. You can try again. <laughs> Um. All right. After that, warlock is up. Spell mm-hmm. versatility at the after a long rest. Awesome. This one I think is probably one of the more impactful ones because mm-hmm. warlocks you only get like yeah. two spells for like five levels. This is this is needed. Yeah. So it's like whenever you finish a long rest, you can replace one spell. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful, and it makes sense too, flavor wise, because it's you're getting your magic from your patron. So it's like it couldn't be just up to you. You could all of a sudden yeah. have something else. <laughs> Um, uh, they also got um, new spell spells, yeah. Speaking more either. Um, a lot of stuff on here. Interesting. Animate dead. Knock. Mislead. Greater invisibility. Create create homunculus. Magic the jar. Only one that I'm like kind of peeved about is that a lot of these don't go up. They don't scale. Yeah. And so that's kind of the thing with warlock spells. Whenever you are picking a spell, you generally want to pick ones that do scale because you're going to be casting this first level spell at fifth level Mm -hmm. you know it's like you have no option in that choice so it's like if you're not if these spells don't scale a lot of people feel like as if they're being wasted which i get but eh. um before we read the next one we should probably jump down to packed boon options yeah Uh, um they make more sense if you do (laughs) so there's a new pact it's packed the talisman your patron gives you a special amulet a talisman that uh can aid you or anyone else who wears it uh uh when you the wearer makes an ability check with a skill in which uh, they lack proficiency, you can add a, they can add a D4 to the roll. Yeah. If you lose the talisman, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. Yeah. Uh, the talisman turns to ash when you die. So essentially, if you are trying to make an ability check with something that you're not good at, you add a D4. Yeah. Which is really neat. Um, and, however, but I also like that you can put it on other people. Yeah. No. That that's really nice so like because I've, I've mentioned it before support classes in D need some well mm-hmm. support they need help and this is one of the ways of really doing that and like if you just want to make a warlock just for the spells that they have and you're not worried about your pact this is a pretty cool one to just do so that you can help out your party mm-hmm. while also just doing the spells you want to do yeah um so going back towards the new invocation options mm-hmm. that they added in there because yay more invocations yep. i mean like that's awesome like I've said it before warlocks are probably the most versatile like you can customize warlocks down to a T mm-hmm. and this just adds to it yeah um, there's bond of the talisman where while someone else is wearing your talisman you can use the action to teleport to the unoccupied space to them next to them and they the can wearer also do the same. <laughs> can do the same they can teleport to you yeah. and so I love that I mean yeah. like the it's at 12th level but that's still pretty freaking At 12th level, that makes sense, because yeah. that power level, you should be doing some magical crazy mm-hmm. shit like that. Um, uh, next one is Chain Master's Fury, prerequisite 9th level, Pact of the Chain feature. Pact of the Chain as, is uh, the familiar yeah. pact. As a bonus action, you can command your familiar to make one attack. That's okay. just damage. Cool. That's just bonus more action. DPS. Eldritch Armor, which is crazy. Prerequisite, <laughs> Pact of the Blade feature. 
as an action, you can touch a suit of armor. That suit of armor is fucking yours. It's on you. You're wearing it. You love everything about it. You can just walk into a store and go, this is mine. Yeah. And walk out. <laughs> Straight up, I've seen a tweet where it's like, this is just giving a license to warlocks to steal things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have this nice suit of armor. Where did that go? I don't know. That's uh, uh, it's weird. Clink, clink, clink. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'll take this armor that I walked in with and uh, just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so the important part about this is that you are proficient with this suit of armor until it's removed. Yes. It's not until next dawn. It's not until the end of next turn. It's until you're not wearing it. And you did mention there's nothing about the strength thing, so you still have to be able to actually wear it. Yeah, so if you're a strong warlock, which, hello, you're a pack to the blade, you probably might be. Wear that strong boy. (laughs) This allows you the option to wear heavy armor. As soon as I read this, I realized I could finally make my character from Skyrim. Yeah. In in this game. Yeah, you can make a strength-based warlock now with this invocation. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And granted, people might say like, oh, that's a little overpowered. It's, it takes up one of the invocation slots. Yeah. So pretty much doing this allows you to be that heavy armor mm-hmm. strength-based warlock, but it does take up one of your invocations. Yeah. Uh, Eldritch Mine, Pact of the Tome feature. Uh, you have advantage on co- on constitution saving throws uh, you make to maintain your concentration on spells. Fucking love it. So Pact of the Tome is the one where you take a ton of spells from any spell list, and then you just get to, get to have them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you get advantage on con saving throws, that is beautiful. Yeah, Usually you have to choose a whole feat for that, but instead you can choose one of your invocations, which I really like. Uh, far scribe. Uh, so essentially, yeah, it's it's fifth level. Yep. So that's... Also packed to the tome. Yeah, packed to the tome. So again, you're going to be focusing on spell casting. Essentially, you can write names in your book of shadows up to your charisma mod, and then you can cast the sending spell at will Yep. to those people. Um, Personally, I really like it because oh, yeah. in my campaigns, especially, we use sending a lot, and I well, know it's not just that it's very thematic for that pack of the tone. Yeah. Like it's it's interacting with the book and your party. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I actually really like that, and and you can you can certainly hand wave all you like as a DM, but this allows you to not need to hand wave, um, because like, how are they going to talk to that person in Neverwinter when they are in Waterdeep? Are they going to send a letter? Yeah. Or and so it's like I was. Again, I was talking with Spencer about it, and he was saying, like, this feels like it steps over everyone's toes. But then I'm saying, it's at fifth level. That's usually when you can get sending anyways. It's an invocation, so it's going to take up one of those invocation slots. And honestly, it's it's totally fine. And it's just sending. Mm -hmm. It's a utility spell. It's not... It's not a combat spell. It's just utility. And I think that that allows the cleric to not have to prepare sending of all spells to prepare. It allows the wizard to not have to choose sending. So it's like, honestly, if your party just talks to each other, the toe stepping can be avoided. Mm-hmm. And this is perfect. I love that. Uh, Gift of the Protectors is another uh, ninth level Pack mm-hmm. of the Tome feature. And it's basically the same thing, except for uh, if somebody in your party whose name is in your book drops zero hit points, they don't. They drop to one. Yeah. I think it's a spell called like Warding Death or something like that. Death Ward. Death Ward. Thank you. Um, essentially, again, you feel like, man, this is really stepping up, but it's not. It's at ninth level. So that's when you would get Death Ward mm-hmm. anyways. And this, again, takes up an invocation slot. And I really like it. Mm-hmm. It's, again, thematic with the Pact of the Tome concept. It's in your Book of Shadows. Yeah. You can protect your friends. And I love it so much. It's It makes me want to build a warlock and I haven't 
felt like that in a while. <laughs> uh, investment of the chain, uh, prerequisite pact of the chain feature. Uh, when you cast Find Familiar, you infuse the summoned familiar with a measure of your Eldritch power, granting the creature the following benefits. Uh, the familiar gains either a fly or swim speed of 40 feet. The familiar no longer needs to breathe. Uh, familiar's weapon attacks are considered magical. Uh, if the familiar forces a creature to make a saving throw, that you they use your DC. I actually really enjoy this concept because Pact of the Chain kind of feels like the weakest uh, Pact option mm-hmm. for warlocks, but this kind of makes your familiar more like the Beastmaster's companion. Yeah. It, it it just it makes your your familiar like actually viable yeah and not just a monster that happens to be around especially at higher levels too Mm -hmm. because at higher levels if you still got that like that that cr one fourth imp hanging around and you're like okay now what (laughs) Uh, next one is protection of the talisman level uh ninth level uh pact of the talisman feature when the wearer of your talisman makes a saving throw and lacks proficiency in it you can they can roll a d4 with it that one i will say that's like if you're going for pure support because i mean that's ninth level you're already pretty high levels at that point but if someone has a negative one con and they're a wizard this can be helpful that can save them yeah uh rebuke of the talisman is next um there's no level thing it's just pack talisman feature uh when the wearer of your talisman is hit by an attack within 30 feet of you you can use your reaction to deal psychic damage to the attacker equal to your charisma modifier and push the it up to 10 feet away from the talisman's wearer (laughs) nobody hurts my friends unless i do exactly (laughs) um and then last but not least wizard Um, which gets the cantrip versatility. Uh, This is with the level, Mm -hmm. but still wizards can change cantrips and I love it. Yeah. I mean, like conceptual, like concept wise, like theme, I, I'm not sure how, because all their stuff is written down unless you want to say like, oh, it's just like they're studying it. Like spells but the, however the way, it's the like you're I've supposed to know it, your cantrips off the way the top that of your head. Always, yeah that's how i've always seen is that it's what you know what you memorize yeah and so it's kind of just it's kind of like that old joke it's like oh well now that i've read that i no longer know how to do long division <laughs> so it's kind of just like oh well now that i learned how to cast light can't remember flame strike anymore or a flaming bowl wherever the hell it is <laughs> um so that i i think it's fine i mm-hmm. think it's cool um it's one of those things that just adds more things to it. Yeah. Uh, they get some more wizard spells. which uh, hilarious are small amount of them. Small. But I mean, considering wizards, this wizard spell list is already huge as it is, but the spells that they do have on here makes a lot of sense. Augury, Enhanceability, Speak with Dead, and Divination. Why wasn't Divination on there? Why wasn't Speak with Dead on there? And it's like the reasoning behind it could be like, oh, it's kind of like you're dealing with... But it's like, well, Speak with Dead is a necromancy spell. Mm-hmm. Divination is a divination spell there's a whole divination wizard so why wouldn't they know how to do that and just because the flavor text of divination is literally you're like talking to gods or something like that so it's like it makes sense but there's a magic god yeah why not so i I like that part of it well as with all ua things we talked really long about that (laughs) (laughs) um but what do you think of this so well, actually, let, let me let me inject this one. Dusty asked us on Twitter, okay. what is our favorite thing in here? So what out of all of that is the thing that you're like, hell yeah, I love that. I really like the new invocation options for the warlocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, I would probably say the cleric ones. Mm-hmm. That Like of the, the class specific ones, the cleric abilities and the enhancements is just really neat. Um, there, I actually have a few favorites. The 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 rangers. Yeah. The rangers like, is really neat. Favorite. 
probably probably the ranger yeah the the ability to get that hunter's mark yeah like that's probably my favorite thing that i i would love i would i could build a whole character around that concept i'm gonna say my favorite thing is the bard magic inspiration because i just love bard oh yeah it's fantastic no that's fucking cool um however the thing that gets me most excited to actually play another character would be the eldritch knight or the 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 pact of the blade armor bond thing like yeah that i'm just like yeah i want to make that character right fucking now and then like the paladin who can do cleric spells now yeah it's like yes So the thing that I want to say, though, about this, so, like, you know, we've been talking about this with these other class options for a while now. It's like, it feels like either they're doing a supplement or something else. Mm -hmm. And the more I read through this, the more I'm like, these are really cool, but they read really well to people who already know D&D. Yeah. I cannot imagine putting this in front of a new player. And so I'm now wondering if... What we're actually going to get is an advanced player's handbook. So I actually have a quote that I pulled up pretty much to reflect exactly that concept. Oh, really? Yeah. So Sly Flourish, if you haven't heard of him, he wrote the Guide to the Lazy Dungeon Master. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's yeah. like he's done a lot. So he actually was posting on Twitter um, like yesterday where it was a lot about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing he was saying was, I've heard Wizard of the Coast say that one of the things that has made 5e so successful is that the PHB alone is enough to enjoy D&D. Everything is optional. Obviously, these are optional too, but a character with them is clearly better than a character without them. Because especially if you consider all of the enhancements. Yeah. They aren't replacements. They are enhancements. Yeah. They go on top of the cool stuff you get. And then he said, will someone new to the hobby buy a D&D player's handbook, sit down at a table, and immediately have more experienced players saying, you're a fighter? You should have the superior technique and ability from Supplement X. And now their $50 book doesn't feel so complete anymore. Yeah. And, and that's why I think putting out a book literally titled advanced player's handbook would be the best way to do it because it's like this is the player's handbook this is all you need to play it but once you get comfortable with the game this is the advanced rules yeah it's kind of like how they used to do it like advanced dungeons and dragons yeah and so they could actually do advanced fifth edition i like that um because it would you still have that entire beginner concept yeah. where you can just play with the starter kit, the player's handbook, and that you're good, yeah. you're, you're done. But I like this because this really gives options for players that have played every class, and you're like, okay, well, now what? It's like, well, I, I want to play this, but it's like, it's not optimized at all. How do I do this? And well, it's also like a cool thing of like somebody gets into D&D, plays their first campaign with the rules as they are right now, and then gets this book, starts another campaign. They're like, oh my God, even though I'm playing the same class, it feels completely different. Yeah. No, it's 100%. I love it. I think a lot of good stuff is in here. I also think that there's kind of a lot of boring stuff, but that's me. I'm sure that the stuff I find boring, somebody else might find exciting. I mean, something that I mentioned to you before and to other people is that like something that 5e really lacks is the options. Like the concept of once you go down this path, that's your path and it's a one way road. Yeah. You can't get off it and that's it. Yeah. This gives more options. And for once, it's like it kind of has that feel that 3.5 had where it's like, oh, I can really customize my class into how I want it to be. You no longer have to be able to just use sticks to hide in the mud. You can now instead just fucking turn turn invisible. You have options now. And so it's like if you 
it's like, okay, Danger Sense is neat, but I didn't really want that. Well, now you have another option. Mm -hmm. And so I really like that. My only thing is that I wish some of these enhancements were more replacements. Yeah. Because I like the options concept more so than just this is now better concept. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, needless to say, we like this, and we want more yeah. of it, and no, 100%. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. Um, if you have any of your own thoughts about this, and what and you know, send in what your favorite feature on here, variant or replacement was, and we'd love to read on the show. Mm-hmm. You can send those in difficultyclass at gmail.com, and we might talk about it on the next show. Yep. Uh, lastly, we're going to do a listener question from Hector Reyes, who has written in before, and we love you, Hector. Yay! You're awesome. <laughs> um, okay, this is actually really good. Uh, not to say Hector's other ones haven't. Uh, <laughs> have you guys ever built adventures themed around a holiday such as Harvest Festival or the Winter Solstice? What? I often do large event games for my players that are centered uh, around big holidays. I usually use these sessions as an opportunity for skill checks at game booths or do fun descriptions of lo- uh, local street foods and cultural traditions to do some world building. I also do uh, plot pushing encounters tied to the theme of the holiday, such as being uh, <laughs> such as being people kidnapped by uh, unseely fay of um, on what on Sam oh on Samhain. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is what, are, what words are you using? Uh, but enough about me. What about you guys? Hector Reyes, DM at large. So I just want to say that uh, we didn't mention one of the games we played because I I only assumed that we were saving it for this yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. So our, our bookstore game this last week was this. Exact Exactly. Yeah, we actually did make a Thanksgiving one shot, essentially. Yeah. Um, it was great. What was uh, High Harvest Tide or whatever yeah. uh, holiday it is in Faerun. Um, and I'm actually even wearing my D&D ugly sweater right now, so it's very <laughs> holiday themed. Um, but yeah, no, I love doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time I ever did it was on Halloween. I sent my players to Silent Hill. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, it's the Shadow Film. It was Silent Hill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pyramid head in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've said it before, like, I've based my home game on the Neverwinter MMO. Yeah, so you have your events. There are literal events in the MMO that I have transcribed into the D&D game. Like, we've had the Harvest Festival where mm-hmm. there were a booth. I mean, that's where three of my characters were introduced. They were yeah. part of the traveling carnival. Um, there are... I I mean, that whole lich fight with Valindra. Mm-hmm. That was during Liar's Night, yeah, which is Halloween for Neverwinter. And so they actually got around collecting candy, giving out things. They won a costume contest. They went up and they they did everything. Everyone was in costume. It was great. Knox was this giant pirate because yeah. <laughs> he had a you know eye patch. But yeah, no, I've constantly interwoven um, world events and like holidays into my games because the players really like it. Yeah. I also have a real role play heavy party group and so it's like they actually really enjoy this part of the game they're like oh we got to get back in time for halloween <laughs> they literally said that they're in the middle of dealing with a fire giant but they're like we got to get back in time for halloween <laughs> and i'm uh, like i love that <laughs> also uh a pre-reign campaign that's really good for this is dragon heist yeah um, there are three optional seasons to, for it to take place, and each of them has a holiday that the story will revolve mm-hmm. around. And um, it was really funny because the one that I did had Founders Day in it ah, for Waterdeep. <laughs> cool. And then uh, my, uh, me, my wife, and my sister, um, who are all in that game, went to uh, Knott's Berry Farm and <laughs> in the western section. Founders Day, and we're like, we're fucking here. Let's do this. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, I love doing this stuff. And and Hector, the stuff that you're talking about sounds freaking fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, I highly recommend people do it. Uh, for our bookstore game, 
we did it around Thanksgiving, and we sent our players after. Uh, well, I sent mine after a dire cockatrice and used <laughs> a, a a turkey miniature thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, our third DM was very kind, and he got all of us. Uh, he texted us from Michaels with a picture of this like uh, maybe baseball sized turkey, and he goes, "Look what I found." We all went buy them. <laughs> <laughs> They're perfect size for large creatures, and we're like, "Yes, yes. we're having this in our game." So yeah. it's like I made my turkey an owl bear, but it just looked like a turkey. No one had seen it turkey in the world and they're like what is this foul creature get yeah. it foul <laughs> anyways yeah but, josh came in clutch with that it was fantastic yeah. no Good it job, was buddy. it was great and so we, i definitely recommend it yeah. because it, it totally involves your characters oh, yeah. into the world a lot more and especially if you're making a homebrew world this is a great opportunity but for d- you to just go all out but don't force it oh yeah no no don't, no. don't be like all right now uh did i mention they celebrate halloween on chultz <laughs> <laughs> and also if your characters have no interest in celebrating anything as the story goes, don't force that on the Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially, I know it feels really shitty when it's like you have prepared all these fun little mini games, you've prepared all these fun skill checks, and all of a sudden your characters are like, we don't really care about the festivities, we just want to go. Yeah, it, don't surprise them with it. Talk to them about like, hey, you guys want to do like a holiday themed one next yeah. week? I mean, like I mentioned that where like my characters were excited about going yeah. back to Neverwinter and celebrating Liar's Night, where it's like... For some of the other ones, they haven't expressed any interest. So I'm like, okay, yeah, no, this works. Totally. But yeah, Gage, talk to your players. Read the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I think that think that just about does it. Yeah. It a long episode this time. Did a short episode last time. Long episode this time. We're just all <laughs> over the place. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, though, you can leave a review on whatever podcast service you are currently listening to. And if you haven't, I mean, I hope you have. Subscribe to it. That'd be great. That'd be really <laughs> awesome so that we can get more numbers and whatnot and keep the show going. Um, and, uh, you know, tell a friend. Maybe they'll do it as well. That'd be cool. <laughs> if, uh, if you have your own questions, suggestions, stories, whatever you want to send us, you can send that into Difficulty Class at gmail.com and we'd love to talk about it on the show have a conversation with you uh, through email which I've done a few times with Aaron now mm-hmm. and Brian uh, and if you'd like to keep up to date with us you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class or on Instagram where we're still getting better about posting things uh, at Difficulty Podcast uh, and uh, well uh, until next week uh, don't get killed by just saying a number and being really boring mm-hmm.